Welcome to Living the Abundant Life with Jenny Schmidt. I'm excited to have Michelle Haswell with us today. Michelle and her husband, Greg, you've heard Greg on past episodes. They're senior pastors at my home church, Northlands, here in Atlanta, Georgia. She's not only my pastor, but she's kind of my spiritual mom. She loves me and guides me in truth and wisdom. I'm so grateful for her life and really excited to share with you that she is publishing her first book. It's called Living Refreshed. I had the honor of reading an advanced copy of the manuscript, and I'm blown away by the truth in these pages, truths that I've seen her live out, that she's told me through the years. But the book serves as a guide, as, as really a guide, a, a toolkit for leaders to really dig into how do I... How do I live a refreshed life, avoiding the burnout that so many experience, but live in a way, in a lifestyle that sustains me? And she just talks through so many different areas of life and leadership and how to do that really practically. She talks about burnout and helping set a lifestyle of boundaries. She helps leaders discover that they're not alone and how to identify life-giving friendships. She helps us find joy among the incessant demands of leadership how to be empowered, navigating challenging relationships and tough conversations that must be had as leaders, and also how to overcome insecurity and live a deep and personal spiritual life. I love that. Um, she really gets into how to, how do we be secure in our identity as leaders, not constantly looking for others to approve and accept of us, but walking in the fullness of our calling and our, our gifting. She's passionate about seeing leaders flourish and honestly believes that burnout is avoidable. I'm so excited to see Living Refresh get into the hands of leaders, leaders of anything. It doesn't have to just be ministry, leaders of organizations and businesses and nonprofits. I think all leaders um, will really benefit from the axioms that Michelle takes her readers through in this book. So I'm stoked that she's here and she's going to share with us more of the truths that she writes about in Living Refreshed. Michelle, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to, to talk with you, Jenny, and I absolutely love listening to The Abundant Life. I love what you're doing and excited to contribute. Thank you. Well, we are really looking forward to hearing about your book coming out, Living Refreshed. So tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book. I would love to do that. Yeah, I have a real passion to see leaders thrive. I feel it's something that God's called us to. And also to see those they lead do well. There's an amazing scripture in Psalm 78, 72. It says, And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands he led them. And I think over the years of being in, in, in ministry leadership, I've just seen so many leaders with great hearts burn out because of lack of skill in leadership. And the Bible's very clear that we need skillful hands as well as integrity of hearts. Yeah. And I think many leaders, they're passionate about what they do, but they struggle primarily to lead themselves well and to set boundaries. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about that later on. But I, I remember a time in my own life when my husband told me he was going to be checking on my calendar because I was always trying to squeeze one more thing in and I think as leaders, we have to learn to give ourselves permission to create healthy boundaries, because the truth is, if we burn out, we really have no use to anybody else that so we're true. called to lead. But when a leader is refreshed, everybody else benefits. If we're exhausted, everybody else suffers. So I think that was probably the, the beginnings of wanting to, to just write some really practical tools that I'm hoping will, will strengthen leaders so that we don't have to hit the wall. 
And there's just so many things in, in scripture that are just real practical. So I think really it's just a heart to see leaders thrive. Absolutely. I love that. I mean, I've been around ministry most of my life. Um, my family was always active in church and I feel like burnout is kind of almost an expectation in, in most church mm-hmm. circles. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of like, well, at some point, you know, maybe in your thirties or forties, you've given everything, you kind of burn out, you got to step back, get healthy, get restored. And then hopefully you return to the ministry. I mean, I've seen that a lot um, yeah. in my life through the years of people who've been in ministry. So I feel like it's almost an expectation that, yeah, if you really love Jesus and you really give it all to Jesus, then you're going to burn out at some point and need to get healed. <laughs> but I feel like you're saying, yeah. and what I've seen in your life in the last decade is that that doesn't have to be our expectation. No, I, I don't think it has to be. I, I just think so often we're not, you know, we, we taught good theology, which we absolutely need. We need the foundations of, of the scriptures. I think we also need just practical tools and, and some common sense. And the amazing thing is we find it in the word of God. Yeah. But I think something that's helpful, that's certainly been helpful to me, and of course I'm still learning, is how do I lead myself? And I think for me, it starts with, secret the secret place in ministry and I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that now yeah tell us what you mean by the secret place I think when the Lord calls you to lead when there's a gift of leadership on your life there is an expectation that you're going to give out you're going to strengthen other people you're expected to have wisdom you're expected to have answers and so there's a lot of output that that's demanded of of leaders yeah there's an amazing story in the scriptures where it speaks about the woman with the issue of blood and she touches the hem of his garment and Jesus said he felt power go from him. So he knew that he had given out, but we also found him withdrawing often to spend time with his father. Yeah. In Psalm 91, the first verse says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the almighty And personally, I don't know if it's possible. I certainly don't know if there is another way to remain in leadership for an extended period of time in a way that's going to benefit those we lead without this key biblical truth Mm. of dwelling in the secret place. Because I think if we don't access the Lord's rest, we do run a large risk of burning out at some stage. And I've I've realized personally as a leader that if I'm going to feed others well, I need fresh bread from heaven first. I think we all know it's very easy to pour out into others if, if we're full. But if not, unfortunately, that's when we start to hurt people because we try and give out of an empty soul. And I know for myself, that's when words of impatience happen. That's when I say things I wish I didn't say or I struggle with attitude. And I think we have to realize that when God calls us to a leadership role in, in what, on whatever mountain we may be called to, you know, we might just say one thing, but our whisper is a shout, and God's given us authority to build people up, but not to break them down. And I think we can do that when we ourselves are refreshed as leaders. And I think for me, the secret place, you know, you might ask, what does that mean? And I think it's, it's the place where, where I worship the Lord. It's the place where... I just have time to just soak in his presence. Practically what it looks like for me is just putting a worship song on and just saying, God, would you just fill me? Would you just refresh me? Would you just pour into me? Let springs of 
of living water flow in, in the dry places because I think we all have those times when we feel dry inside. Yeah. And many times it's just reading the scriptures and I find I'll read something in the morning and then meet with somebody that afternoon or during the week and it's the very thing that they needed because I've spent time in the secret place, it's easy for me to give out. And I think if we're going to live in abundance as leaders, we have to make time to spend with our father. We have to recognize the the necessity of the secret place because that's what keeps us stable in our leadership. That's so good. I love that. I think, you know, I always grew up hearing that, you know, you, you need to have your quiet time every day. Um, and it was almost like a, <laughs> yeah. like a rule. And, and I mean, it's obviously, it's good wisdom, but the way that you position this secret place, and I love Psalm 91. That's not the verse I quote from Psalm 91, typically. <laughs> you know? There's many other good ones. I know the whole thing's good. But like yeah. that verse, I love that you've kind of pulled that out for us and said, you know, this, that we have strength and, um, we're steady and stable when we reside in the secret place. And I think, you know, that's the heart of living an abundant life is that, you know, when you live an abundant life, that means you have something extra. It's like an infinity pool where there's water that pours over the edge continually. We always have something extra to give as leaders when we're abounding in the presence of the Lord and the fruit of his spirit in our life. Otherwise, like you were saying, we're giving from the reserves and we start to resent it. People are taking what we need. Yeah because we're giving what sustains us as opposed to the extra, the overflow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I really appreciate kind of the, the, the um, explanation around the secret place because I think that is key for all of us who are listening about how do we live in this abundance and the overflow is um, it's, it's really that John 15 abiding in Christ, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's how we do life. I think it's not something we move in and out of, but I think we have to make times where it's just me and him. Yeah. Now, do you schedule that on your calendar? I mean, how do you, I know, I know your calendar is full. There's a lot of people, you know, a lot of responsibility. Do you literally put that on your calendar? I do. I, I really do. I have to put it on my calendar. Yeah. And it's, I have to turn my phone off and just create a, a boundary in my own mind that I, that this is, a date with my with my father. Mm. You know, it's, if you and Ryan are at a restaurant, you don't want the waiter continually interrupting you because you want to connect. And I think it's a time of connection. Um, it's really the only way I know how to be sustained and remain stable in my in my leadership role. So I think it's so easy to think, well, this is wasted time. I feel there's so many people I could be meeting with. But the reality is I won't be able to continue doing that if I don't have these times with the Lord. Yeah. So, yeah, I do schedule them. Awesome. I love that. So tell us a little bit more about how Living Refreshed is structured. You really hit on a lot of topics. Can you kind of give us an idea of how you've structured this book and what you touch on? Absolutely. I have really structured it in in axioms. I've structured it in different sections um, from, I won't obviously go through them all now, but caring for yourself what is what what does it look like how do I prevent burnout what happens when there's still lots to do but but I'm feeling exhausted how do I handle limiting my yes because I think when you love people there's always going to be another thing to say yes to so we have a look at how do we care for ourselves and then I have a look at strong foundations looking at our marriage relationship our relationship with the Lord um what, what does our life look like? How do we build on strong foundations? 
in our relationships. And then we talk about relationships that we are created for connection. That's very biblical. We need, we need healthy community. Yeah. Who are the people in your life that do not call you leader? Who are your friends? So we have a look at just different levels of friendship and recognizing what different people bring into our life and keeping our hearts healthy. And, and then we just look at different leadership principles of what do we, what do we believe? Because what we believe we're going to transfer to other people. And we have a look at how does, how do we handle courage when we're under fire ourselves and how do we keep confidences because we're going to hear a lot of things. So that's just a real general outline. So I've divided it into different sections and then each section has short chapters related to that yeah. because I've really tried to take 30 years of, of ministry and just put practical tools in the hands of people. I think that's really helpful. I just had the pleasure of reading it early and I liked that the chapters were short because honestly, you know, it, it allowed me to take one principle, read one chapter, take one principle and say, okay, how am I doing with this one? And, and kind of evaluate my life and say, okay, I'm doing well. I'm not doing well. I need to make some tweaks before I kind of went on to the next. So I really appreciate that. It's not, you know, um, you know, fewer, longer chapters, but it's actually more succinct chapters really allowing us to kind of take that tool and, and, and analyze it for ourselves and see how we're applying it and make the necessary adjustments. So I, I really like that. Well, I'm hoping it'll be a tool in people's hands. You know, there's one chapter we talk about difficult conversations and how do we handle difficult conversations. I might not need to be reading about limiting my yes. I might have that really down but I have to talk to somebody and how do I do that in a way that benefits them and ends well so I'm really hoping it will be something that people can take and and use as the need arises yeah I, I really think it's going to be one of those books that stays on a leader's bookshelf and you pull it out and say okay wait like I'm dealing with this issue now and you pull it out and you go right to that chapter um right. I, that's what it's going to be in my bookshelf I can tell you that <laughs> So you know, we started out talking a little bit about how, you know, people kind of in ministry kind of think burnout is noble somehow. Like, well, you've really laid it all out, laid it all out, all out on the field if you, if you burn out for Jesus. But in chapter six, you really make a point that it's not, you know, you said earlier, everyone benefits when the leader is refreshed, but everyone suffers when the leader has nothing more to give mm-hmm. and wise leaders make sure they have a plan for solitude. And that struck me because, I mean, do I have a plan for solitude? I think the secret place is, I think, one of those answers. But can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, I think for me, practically, I have found it very helpful to just literally make me appointments on my calendar with the sole purpose of giving myself permission to breathe. I remember a young mom asked me, not long ago, what will suffer if I take time for me? And I think a better question is to ask who will suffer if we don't take time to Mm. refresh ourselves. And it really can be as simple as, as going for a walk or, or reading a book, you know, whatever works for you, because we all have to have these moments where we, we lay aside the demands of our leadership role to just quiet our minds, to just feed our souls and I think that is a huge part of preventing hitting the wall. That's but I think we have, to, we have to be proactive with that. I think so often, you know, we get to a place where we're absolutely exhausted and then I've just got to get away from it all. 
rather than having a lifestyle that doesn't allow for burnout, but that takes discipline. It does. And I think it takes, um, you know, getting rid of kind of, a, of um, this false sense of that, like you were saying earlier, serving others is, is more important. Um, you know, I'm a leader and we, I take responsibilities. That means I have to give, give, give. And you know, there's a lot of talk these days about self-care and I don't know about other listeners, but for me, I like it kind of turns my stomach. I'm like, come on, buck up people. Like there's things that happen. Let's go. You know, Like, I'm not just going to get my nails done every week. That's just, it seems like a waste to me, but you've been patiently teaching me <laughs> that you have to find something. That's a time to turn your mind off and, and allow your soul to get restored. Because when you, when you position it as, you know, Jenny or any leader you're ministering to, this can be a lifestyle. All of a sudden that really resonates with me because I mean, wouldn't you say there's a rhythm to leadership that's that allows us to kind of absolutely? I think I think there is a rhythm, and I think we we can feel like we're swimming upstream because I think busyness has been overrated, and that's not to mean that we're not productive and we our days are sometimes long and we're giving a lot a lot of different directions, and obviously different people have different capacities according to the space that God has them in. But I think we have to find a rhythm of rest. Mm. And Jesus modeled this for us. He withdrew often to be with his father, to do the things that his father was telling him to do. And yet he saw miracles all the time. He walked in abundance. Jesus knew what abundant life looked like. Yeah. Withdrew often. And then we think, well, we don't need to. And yet this is what was modeled for us. So, I think we have to we have to stop apologizing for it or f- feeling guilty for taking time and not seeing it as a waste of time but actually seeing it as a time when I'm getting myself refreshed so that I can give out yeah. because other, you know if I if I hit the wall I'm not useful to anybody else right. then I can't do what God's called me to do so I think we also have to think about what do we want to model for those that are coming up behind us Absolutely. I mean, I'm raising three little leaders and my kids. And I'm yeah. like, you know, what am I modeling? What am I showing them is normal for a yeah. leader? Definitely yeah. think about that. You you talk about, let's talk a little bit about relationships because you hit on that. You hit on the marriage relationship, kind of the parenting dynamic and then friendships. And mm-hmm. as a relational person, I love this section of the book. Um, one of the things that you said is boundaries allow us to thrive, love deeply and finish strong. And you're talking about boundaries in relation to um, family dynamic. Can you talk a little bit more into that for us? Yes, I would, I would love to. Um, I think when it comes to, to family and our children, I firmly believe that our children are our first disciples. Yeah. And they should never feel neglected because we're busy. And that doesn't mean we're not going to be busy and sometimes we don't be able to be with them. But I think I've seen too many children grow up with a negative view of ministry because ministry is obviously the lens through which I'm, I'm writing, but it could be too busy in business or too busy in politics or whatever you, you're involved in. But I think children can, can grow up with this per- perception that there was no time for them. And, of course, this was never in the parents' hearts, right. but... We have to be deliberate about regular quality time with our families because there are going to be plenty of times when our children will need to share our attention with others because that's part of what they give. And, you know, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. So I think 
we can help our children or we can hinder them by the boundaries or the lack of boundaries that we set as parents. Often the children of leaders will be the first to arrive and, and the last to leave. And I think it's helpful to remind our children that God has called us as a family and to just say thank you to them. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for helping out. Thank you for giving up your room for a guest. Yeah. I think our children also need to hear us say no to others so that we can say yes to them. I love I think that. They need to hear and see us prioritize them so that when we are giving to others, they know that they are the most important disciples. Um, in one of the book, one of the chapters, I talk about our homes being a tool for the task of, of ministry or whatever God's called us to, but also a haven to rest. Mm. And there's going to be times when it's where the doors are open, bring your friends, let's have a crowd around the table, and it's, those are wonderful times. But I think there's also got to be times when it's just us. And children don't know how to differentiate that. That's up to us. But I think we our homes have to be a haven as well as a tool. Yeah. I love that. That's so helpful. That answers your question. But yeah, I think it's up to I think it's up to us as parents to to set to set healthy boundaries because I think it brings security to our children and it launches them into what God has for them rather than them having a negative perception of what their parents do because it was never time for them. Yeah. That's good. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, friendships? Um, you know, you talk about in the book, you know, different types of relationships and friendships that we have. And I think often um, leaders think that they're isolated because they're either at the top of an organization or they know so much sensitive inf information about other people, like for instance, pastors, they can't really talk to anyone, you know, like they really can't be real with anyone because they're the leader. They're seen, you know, they have to model something. I think leadership can also often feel isolating, um, but you, yeah. Greg, you're not living that, you know, you're, you're living in, in the context of community. So can you just kind of dive into those relationships a little bit for us and, and talk about how leaders can actually live with friendship and community, not isolated at the top? Oh, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's very clear in scripture that we are created to be in relationship with other people. The Trinity models that for us right from the very beginning. Yeah. And I personally think that it's dysfunctional and dangerous when we isolate ourselves from other people. And and I think many times that happens as a leader because you just think, who can I talk to? Right. And there's nobody, I can't talk to anybody, nobody understands, which is not true. There are people that will understand. But the danger is we can be we can think we're on the top of the pile and I there's nobody here that I that I can connect with. But I think that's when deception comes in. Or it could be due to pride. Well, I'm the leader and nobody else has anything to say. So, you know, we can think I don't need anybody. But, you know, many times there's obviously rooted in hurt. It's just very unhealthy. But I remember many years ago um, my husband and I invited pastors of, of large churches to come together to meet once a year. And the interesting thing for us was that the first thing they wanted to know was, well, must they bring a sermon? And we were like, no, we're just actually going to go on vacation for a few days together. <laughs> and 
that was such a strange concept because they all wanted to come with an agenda. But one of the things we found was that the greatest need was a need for friends. And many of these people did not have strong friendships. But the sweetest thing was that so many strong friendships were birthed from that group. And we're still friends with some of those people. Because I think they realized their lack, but they also found people in, in the same space. And everybody said, what we need most is friendship. Wow. And I think as leaders, we need people with whom we can be vulnerable. We need people that we can say, I'm really struggling. I'm really hurting. Can you please pray for me? And I think so much fallout and deception could be prevented by having trusted friends in our lives. So it's key that, that we have friends, especially as leaders. Now, are those friendships within the organization um, that a leader's leading or outside of it? I mean, how, where do they find I, friends? I think we have to give ourselves permission to find friendship with people that there's just a natural connection with. Because I think if it's, I don't think it has to be within the organization. This particular group, because we're obviously we're all pastors, we're from many different denominations. We didn't see things the same way, but there was just a connection. So I think personally, I've had to learn to give myself permission to make friends with people that I just naturally connect with. That's good. So, yeah. And sometimes it will be outside the organization. Yeah. I mean, I, I've met some of your best friends, um, the Rasmussen's, and they live yeah. in another country. They are right. doing different things. I mean, in ministry world, but yeah. I mean, they live on the other side of the world. And yet they're some of your closest friends. One of right. the things I love that I watch about you guys is that when they come, they'll come and minister at our church. But when they come, you guys always build into the schedule two to three days. Typically, you all go out of town and you just have fun together. We um, do. It's not a project and it's not a plan. It's just fun. And usually, you know, in a, in a nearby beach or a nearby town, that's cool. And you explore and have fun together. And I, I think that's a really good yeah. example for us to see. Yeah, I think, I think so. And, you know, they're in their own, they have their own sphere that God's called them to. So that's fine. And they, we celebrate that. And we have a sphere that God's called us to. But I think we've just recognized the value of, of friendship. And so we have to make time for that. We have to prioritize that. And, you know, Jesus, again, I mean, I just love him. He's amazing. Really is an incredible leader. And he modeled such practical things for us. And even Jesus had his three. You know, he had Peter, James, and John, and they were his inner circle. These were the ones that he, you know, went into his time of deepest sorrow with. These were the men in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus stayed in Peter's home. You know, it was John who leaned against his chest and it was John who Jesus said Jesus, Judas was going to be the betrayer. So Jesus had these close friendships in his life. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Then I go. Do you see that's, do you think that's possible as well within like for you guys within your church or for someone within their business organization? Cause you spend so much of your time there. Do you think it's possible to have vulnerable, authentic friendships within an organization where you are the leader? Personally, I think so. Yes, I do. Because I do have that. I, I think obviously you can't be exclusive when you're in in public and a ministry situation. And I think if you have mature friends, we all understand that. But I've had to give myself permission to have that because that wasn't always the case. But I realized that there are some people that I'm just going to really want to connect with. So I've had to give myself permission. I can have coffee 
with somebody. They might not even have an official leadership role, but I really like them. They're my kind of person. Yeah. So we're going to be friends. And of course, there's boundaries because when you know when you're in leadership, there's things that you can't you can't talk about with everybody. But I think we we have to give ourselves permission to spend time and build friendships with people that we genuinely get on with. Yeah. There's something Whether about it's in the organization or not. And I think I like how you talk about, you know, there's, uh, it's actually dysfunctional and, and dangerous to isolate yourself because you start to think, well, I'm, I'm better than the people I'm leading or I don't have a need for them. And we just had yeah. Wendy Backlin come to our church and she was talking to our women's group um, about how everyone has greatness. So like a wise leader would actually recognize the greatness and the value that other people bring to a friendship and, and celebrate that and, and, and want to experience yeah. that. So, and I see you do that. There's yeah. one that you pray with regularly from our church um, because you yeah. see the, the greatness on their life. And so you let people in and you let people pray for you. I think that's one of the things I love that you model as a leader is that you say, you know what, like you can pray for me. You know, I'm, I'm not the only one who can talk to God. Like your prayers over <laughs> matter. And you oh really bless your friends by letting them in and letting them minister to you too. I lean into that. I have to have that. So I make no apology about that. And yeah, I have friends in my church and I call them and text them and say, I need prayer. What do you think the Lord's saying? Will you pray for me? And for me, that's, I think that's a protection for me. That's a safeguard for me. I love that. Okay. So what about, so in chapter 13, you talk about when leaders get hurt and that happens. Um, <laughs> I love how you say you can't afford, leaders cannot afford to harbor offense. And that really struck me because sometimes people hurt you in a way and it sticks with you. And often because it triggers an old hurt that you have. So yeah. what do we do with that as leaders? Cause we're, we're going to get hurt. I mean, you, you, you guys have been hurt, right? Yeah, I, th you know, I think as long as we live in a world with other people, <laughs> there's going to be opportunities of offense. They will present yeah. themselves. And I've accepted some of those invitations of offense. And honestly, they just wear me out. They distract me from all the good things God is doing. And those are the, the unhelpful conversations that we can have in our minds when we, when we are dealing with offense. So I think that we become offended is inevitable. But it's what we do with that offense that's so key to our well-being. People are going to hurt our feelings, and we're going to do the same. And I think most often it's not intentional. I'm sure for you, when you've hurt people's feelings, you haven't you haven't planned to do it. It just happens. We say things or, you know, we do Absolutely. things. That, it's not intentional, but the scripture doesn't change. It remains clear that I have to forgive as I've been forgiven even when I've been offended. And the reality is over the years, we've had people that take on leadership. We've had people say hurtful things. It, it comes with the territory. Yeah. In any leadership position, not everybody's going to like you. And yes, you know, I've gone home and had a good cry many times and probably still will do that. But I've also had to learn to guard my heart and not to allow those words that were said in an unguarded time to stick or to define me. Mm. And I've had to discipline myself to remember who God says I am, what he's called me to. Too many leaders become wounded and they walk away from the very thing God has called them to, or they harden their hearts to truth due to offense. 
And honestly, it's just not worth it. I think living the abundant life means that setting people free and walking in forgiveness, even when it's tough. In fact, most times it's going to be tough. Yeah. Because we can justify our anger, we can justify our hurt, but it's just not worth harboring an offense because the reality is we suffer more than the person that offended us. Is that one of those things that, because I'm thinking, okay, how then practically, because you're right, I mean, it does distract us and deter us from our call, um, but there's a real pain that's, that's happened. So yeah. you know, what's, what's the practical next step? I, I would imagine it would, you, it would involve going back to that secret place, but what, what do you do when, when, when that's happened? Someone said something really, really just attacking your leadership style. What, what do you do? I think I've had to, again, have, have people that in my life that know what God's spoken over me. And obviously my husband would be number one. She remind me, this is, this is what the Lord says. Mm. How he defines me. And, you know, that doesn't always take away the, the hurting heart. Sure. <laughs> but, but it's just that that's what I've got to focus on. That, that's not who I am. Or they probably didn't mean it. But this is, this is what God's called me to. And just stand firm in that. Because I think at times we're all going to have to to go back to who do I know I am in him? Yeah, the identity. Because if I don't, what is my identity in Christ? If he's called me to lead, then, then this is what I'm called to, no matter what, if somebody else doesn't particularly like it. I remember before we came to the States, you know, years ago, we got prophetic words. And one of the prophetic words from somebody who was very prophetic in the church was, the Lord says, I just want you to be yourself. Hmm. And I was like, well, you know, maybe you could have a little bit more than that. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm shifting continents and that's all you've got. But that was honestly such an anchor for me. And many times I've gone back to that. It's who I am is pleasing to the Lord. He's actually okay with me. It's good. So I'm going to be okay with me, even if you're not. That's so good. And we have to you know, as leaders, we can't look for the world to affirm our identity. No, We have to get our identity from the Lord. And, you know, you go into chapter 18, you talk about, you know, insecurity versus security as leaders. And I really think that's an identity issue. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times leaders, they know that like, no, intrinsically they are made to lead there. And, and they are probably in their, you know, our listeners in their sector, whether it's business or, you know, education yeah. or, or ministry or whatever it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, there's this insecurity. There are these old lies from years past that are saying you're not good enough. You're a fake. You're, mm-hmm. You don't really have what it takes. Um, people don't, you know, people don't really like you. Whatever those lies are, and they, they create this insecure spirit in a leader, in a leader who's actually leading an organization. And I think that's that's really um, not a good recipe for success. <laughs> I know, I know. Talk to us a little bit about that. I would, I would love to. My own story is that I struggled for many years with my, with insecurities, and and I was really convinced that people didn't like me. That was the lie that I believed, and I just spent too much time comparing myself to other people. I struggled to celebrate other people's victories, not because I didn't recognize them, but I believed if if they were highlighted, then they would also highlight my weaknesses, and so I would just feel disqualified. And it was such a freedom to me when, when I came to an understanding that my Heavenly Father has qualified me, that He celebrates me. And honestly, as a leader, I'm now able to genuinely 
celebrate other people's success without feeling threatened. Because I've learned that your success adds to me. When you're good at what you do, I benefit from that. Mm. And I've learned the benefit of having strong teams around me and leaning into their strengths. I don't have to have it all. I'm not meant to have it all. When someone is insecure in their leadership, they don't want to be challenged. They don't want to be questioned. They find it hard to celebrate other people. And I think the sad thing is that the whole team becomes limited if a leader is insecure. A team that's led by an insecure leader leader will often feel powerless. They don't feel empowered because there's really not much room for them. So there's not much space for them to bring their strength and there's very little opportunity to be released or recognized because that's going to threaten an insecure leader, right? Right. But a characteristic of a secure leader is one who celebrates other people. And when we're secure in who we are, it really is a delight to encourage people around us to see them thrive. I can honestly say that I I delight in seeing the people around me doing well, to functioning in all that God called them to. And Jesus modeled this so well. He modeled secure leadership for us. He built a strong team around him. And then he taught them to heal the sick. He taught them to cast out demons. He taught them to raise the dead and multiply the food. Jesus was was always letting the people around him do what he could do. Right. Building a team. And he was secure. And he was unapologetic about his identity. That's not a pride issue. That's just knowing who God says I am. Jesus was very secure about who he was. And yet he humbled himself to wash their their feet, right? And he could do that because of he was secure in who his father said he was. He was very clear. He stated, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. He didn't need men's approval, but he deeply loved them. Mm. He laid down his life for them. I mean, I don't think we get a better picture of security in a leader than what Jesus modeled for us. He was so secure in who he was that he could humble himself, and yet he was the son of God. I think when we're secure in who we are, we can walk in humility, we can love the people around us, we can celebrate their victories, and everybody benefits from that. That's so good. I love what you're saying here. When we, when we are secure, we're actually free to love people better. But when we're looking and desperate for approval and affirmation that we deserve this leadership position or we're doing a good job, we're performing well, it actually limits our ability to love and lead the people that God's given us. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. You know, you you and Greg have just influenced and impacted my husband and I tremendously. And one of the things you say in the book is what leaders model will multiply. And we've seen this, you know, um, we we are in a church family where because of what you have modeled, we have a group of women in women's ministry where there's no, there's there's not clicks, there's not competition and comparison and it's it's everyone like is cheering for each other that's not normal michelle (laughs) Uh, it it truly is amazing i mean i just you know when we were sitting together recently as leaders and we had we had a guest speaker with us she was amazed at at the team she said there just seems to be no competition you genuinely love one another and we said we really do we we really do i think we're each other's biggest cheerleaders and yeah. Honestly, 
I'm just so thankful to the Lord for that because that's not always the case. But it comes from the leader. It's because you modeled something because you were so secure in your identity between that you found and that you found your identity in a secret place. You were so secure in it. You fought for that and you protected it even through offense, even through hardship. And so you were free to love and lead us well. And, and this is the byproduct of what a healthy, refreshed, secure leader creates around them. And I mean, it's, it's truly astounding and it's, it's pretty unparalleled. I've never been in an environment with that many women, that many type A, strong, gifted yeah. women where it's just, it's just so encouraging. No one's backbiting and tearing each other down. And it's the same with our men. It, it's just, yes. I, I see the fruit of what you have modeled. And I think there is this multiplication. We, as leaders, we want to make an impact and you, you, you're living and you're writing about how to make a, really leave a legacy as a leader. Well, I, I think for me personally, if we want to talk about living the abundant life, I think living the abundant life is seeing lives being transformed by, by his truth, transformed by his truth. And we get to partner with the Lord in releasing others into their God-given callings. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to tell people about the truth of who Jesus is, and then we get to launch people into what God has for them. And I love seeing those I lead go from places of insecurity or places of fear and grow in confidence and see, and step boldly into what is theirs. That brings me so much joy. I, I just thrive. I thrive on that. So I want to see that. And when we lead with skillful hands as secure leaders, what we model will multiply. And, and we'll see many step into the abundant life that God has for them. So I think that's exciting. I mean, I think we, you know, if, if we secure in our leadership and we love what God has, has called us to, why would we not want to multiply that? Absolutely. I, I, I love how you've invested just the wisdom and revelation God's given you into this work and into living refreshed because it is a handbook that even though I have direct access to you as, um, <laughs> as a mentor and pastor and spiritual mom, I still am going to go to this book and open it up and be reminded of how I need to care for myself and how to ha- be in a relationship with others and how to work through the hard times and um, the hard seasons that, that are sure to come in this life. It's you really poured out your, your wisdom and life revelation in a way that's clear and, and very edible for a reader. So I'm excited about this book, Michelle. And thank you. I, um, can you tell people how, how do they like, when's it coming out? How do we find out more? How do we kind of follow what you're doing? Absolutely. Well, we're in our final edit, which I'm really excited about. It's taken me a lot longer than I had intended it to, but I've had to kind of do it in between travel, but we really are, I think, in the last phase. And I'm hoping to have it ready to go in the fall. We do have a public Facebook page, Greg and Michelle, and we also have haswellministries.com. So we will be launching it from both, both those sites and different places on social media. Perfect. So if you are not already subscribed to Haswell, H-A-S-W-E-L-L, ministries.com, they have a blog. They write almost weekly. Greg and Michelle both um, write on that blog. So I would subscribe to their blog and then you can, you'll also get the updates on the release of Living Refreshed later this year. 
Um, Michelle, in closing, I would love it if you would just pray a blessing over the leaders um, who are listening today and finding encouragement from what you've shared. Um, and whether they're in a hard season or a new season as a leader, would you just please pray a blessing over all those who are listening? I would love to. Father, we just thank you for your kindness towards us. Lord, I thank you that you are our great supply. Father, there is nothing that we can have that we need that you do not have to give us. And Lord, I thank you that that you have called us to lead with skillful hands as you did, David, and you provide that skill for us in your word. And so, Lord, I just pray, Father, for each one listening, Lord, especially those that are called to lead. Lord, I pray, Father, that they would find that secret place, Lord, that they would find the place, Father, where we can be stable and fixed leaders. Lord, not, not leaders that burn out, not leaders that, that hit the wall, but leaders that live refreshed, leaders that know how to live the abundant life because we know you and you remain our source. And so, Lord, I just bless each one listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. Congratulations on this work, and thank you for sharing with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a delight to talk to you, and I'm excited about this podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for listening. I'd love to close with this prayer that Paul prayed over the Ephesian church. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Have a great day.